And good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gents. This is a broadcast and over from Orlando, Florida, on this awesome international podcast, Good Wine and Great Laughs, season five, episode number seven. And today's topic is the woman king took the box off by surprise, but haters will always hate when it comes to everything black. You know shortly what type of wine I am drinking. So, ladies and gents, let's get this party started. Let's go! And ladies and gents, once again, this is the boy Casanova from Orlando, Florida, on this awesome international podcast, Good Wine and Great Laughs, Season 5, Episode number 7. And the topic again is, the woman king took the box off by surprise, but haters, we always hate when it comes to everything black. <laughs> And ladies and gents, today is Saturday, September 24th, 2022, and the weather here in Orlando will be partly cloudy and all day with the highs of 86 and lows of 71. And ladies and gents, I definitely cannot talk about the Woman King without some drums as the background music and the soundtrack of the podcast has to have some drums to remember of our African ancestry and the connection with our ancestors. So. All right, ladies and gents, going to be here all day, every day on today's episode. And normally, ladies and gents, um... Normally, for those that listen to my podcast, you already know it's always two blocks on this podcast. But, 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 because such controversial start coming about this movie. And like I say, that's why I put on the title, the haters will be hating, you know, regardless of whatever we do. You know, it's never enough. It's always going to find a hater. That's going to talk. So I'm breaking break down this podcast in three blocks. And I'm finishing block three to talk about the haters. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to give up too much energy. You know, I'm, I'm not be going down because I'm, I'm not going to acknowledge the name, the, the YouTube channel. I'm not going to give them no, no, um. Uh, Free advertisement, but we're definitely going to be talking about the haters today as well. And ladies and gents, but before I jump right on the topic, I will let you know about the wine of the day here at Casa Casanova. And ladies and gents, for those that did not see the movie yet, I definitely advise you to go see it and take your whole family with you. And the movie was now shot in South Africa. So everything here is related to the drums, 
and also I found this awesome. This is my first time drinking this wine, but I know this brand. I had another wine from this brand, and this wine is made in South Africa. So you gotta definitely find some South Africa wine to bring to Good Wine and Great Loves podcast. So this wine is called Sweet Red. It's a vintage of 2020. And according to the label here in the back, it says that Sweet Red Blend, a bold blend, this smooth, sweet, and red showcases a lovely core of dark and red fruit which mingles with baking spices, vanilla, and cinnamon, deep in the velvety, with a beautifully balanced acidity, Sweet Red Blend is sophisticated yet inviting and playful. A solid sidekick for any meal or gathering. Alcohol percentage per volume is 12.5. Ah, the other wine that I had from this brand called Jam Jar is called the Switch Rod. Awesome, awesome wine. That's one of the best red wine, especially for those that, oh, oh my God, the red wine is so bitter, yada, yada, yada. No, ladies and gents, I will show you something that's going to change your mind. So, the sweet Shiraz is good, and I already talked about this wine in, in this podcast previously. But today is all about the sweet red blend. It's the first time that I'm drinking this wine, but I know the brand, the brand Jam Jar, and it's they make some good, good wine. So let me see what this wine is all about. Let me pour a glass. This smell, this wine smells good. I like the smell of it. Definitely a winner, ladies and gents. Definitely a winner. And once again, ladies and gents, like I say all the time, you can see this wine. If you go to my YouTube channel, uh, Casanova the Comedian, as well on my Facebook page, Good Wine and Great Laughs by Casanova the Comedian, and on my Instagram page, Casanova the Comedian, you're going to see the, the YouTube, of course, you're going to see the bottle, but for some reason the camera doesn't show how the, the bottle sometimes because the good the, the sunlight and all that, but on my Facebook page and also on my Instagram page, you're going to have a nice, very good picture of the wine of the day. So check it out. Definitely, definitely, you're going to love this wine. You're going to love this wine. For those that always like some sweet wine, and but they're not used to the red wine, you definitely will love the wine. So this wine fits all, check all the boxes, ladies and gentlemen. Check all the boxes. So very, very good wine. Definitely, you already know the tradition here. If the wine is good and I like it, I keep the bottle on my wine collection, empty bottle collection. That I keep here in Casa Casanova. So this wine made the cut. 
So, ladies and gents, let's jump right on the topic. So, I find this, I found two, three articles, three articles, two that's very important, and one, the first one, I found it on the National Geographic Magazine webpage, and this article was written by Rachel Jones and was published on September 14, 2022. And the article is under the history and culture. And the article's title is The Warriors of This West African Kingdom Were Formidable and Female. In the 1700s, the Dahomey flourished under the protection of its all-woman military regiment that inspired Viola Davis' acclaimed film, The Woman King. So, the article goes as, call it mere coincidence or a master stroke of tourism-focused timing. Early this year, when news spread that a 100-foot-tall statue of the Queen Tasi Hemby had been erected in the West African nation of Benin, one could almost hear the faint click-clack of calculators adding up the revenue from future travelers inspired to visit after having seen the movie The Woman King. Historical extravagances generally fare well at the box office, especially one involving vivid customary and spirit combat. But this latest entry benefits from perfect timing once again. In the wake of the 2018 blockbuster film Black Panther, that epic tale of fictional African nation of Wakanda was the perfect precursor for a movie steeped in the lore and history of all real-life group of African female warriors whose first prowess stunned all they encountered. And you're going to see some pictures. If you go there, ladies and gents, definitely I would advise you to check yourself and you know, and check this website for the National Geographic. Got some pictures of the the real the some of those African warriors. And for the article continues, but conferring the label of Amazon on these women soldiers to the West African kingdom of Dahomey is a known star for historian Pamela Toller. In addition to it being the decisively colonial reference, you are sort of reinforcing the idea that they are exceptions and that no ordinary woman could be larger than life. She says, that's a very European perspective of this uh, amazing woman, unquote. Taller, author of the book, Women Warriors, Unexpected History, says 
It's important to know the full story of the wild female regiment of the warriors who existed from the late 1600s to the early 1900s. In fact, the examination of their origins and the society they arose from provides a more multidimensional image of this woman warriors and the legacy they left behind so for those just a quick here a little bit of, of history for those that don't did not have idea what the kingdom of the homie was is now the present day benin in the west coast africa so, and benin if you look at the african map we're going to see ghana we're going to see togo and then benin and then nigeria so for so now Benin is between Togo and Nigeria. For the record, so the article goes as the rise of the kingdom of Dahomey. Until recent decades, the vast majority of popular cultural depictions of Africa were characterized by the continent as an uncivilized agrarian million before the arrival of the Europeans like Portuguese explorer Henry the Navigator in the 15th century. On the contrary, powerful ancient civilizations flourished throughout the continent, including the prehistoric land of Punt and the kingdom of Aksum and Nubia in the Northeast Africa, the West African Empire, empires of the Ashanti, the Mali, and the Shanghai, and the Kingdom of Zimbabwe. In the West Africa, the home carved an indelibly powerful legacy as outlined in the Encyclopedia Britannica, the kingdom established a well-organized government in which the king was considered semi-divine and had absolute control over economic, political, and social affairs. He was supported by a council of officials chosen from the commoner class because of their allegiance to the king and commitment to the nation's development. Its geographic access to the sea and the strategic prowess of its leaders helped the Dahomey vanquish other coastal kingdoms such as, such as Alada and Wida. But the emergency and expansion of the transatlantic slave trade ultimately helped see, seal its dominance. It's estimated there that from the 1720s to 1852, when the British imposed a naval blockade, the Dahomey's rulers sold hundreds of thousands of people from the neighboring tribes and nations to the British, French, Portuguese, and other. Quote the untold story of the international slave trade. I'm just going through the page here, some a lot of pictures. Beside the slave trade, the homie fought 
to acquire fertile land for farming and to boost its trade in palm oil. Taxes and duties collected from those two ventures helped Dahomey build an imposing military presence. Eventually, continuous raid on the neighboring communities significantly reduced the numbers of males, which set the stage for women to step into the role of guardians and protectors. Origin of the Dahomey Women Warriors On one account of their origins contains that they were elephant hunters who served under King Hujibajan, I believe that's the pronunciation, the third king of Dahomey from around 1645 to 1685, known as Bedo. In the phone language, UNESCO's Women in Africa History Portal writes that they hunted all kind, all kind of game, including elephants, the most valuable and difficult animals, animals to kill. Unquote. Elephants were almost completely wiped out from the area by the, the mid-19th century. The Beto, Beto, the Beto were then integrated into the army of women soldiers. They wore brown, they wore brown blouses and brown and blue knee-length shorts. These women fighters were also known by all other names in the phone language. Including Agoji, Agoji, Mino, or Minon. But the prevailing or orange stories of the Dahomey women warriors is that the group was formed at the behest of the Queen Henby, daughter of Hoji Baja, who rose to power after her twin brother Akaba died under mysterious circumstances in the early 1700s. The fact that Henby amazed a squadron of women willing to die protecting her and their kingdom was an impressive feat in the deeply patriarchal Doheim society. First and female, these seven warriors fought their way into history. These females, female fighters were not concubines or servants, obliged to defer to any man's whims, and they didn't just spring out the air either. Historians have long noted the prominence of women in some African societies. In the book Continent of Mothers, Continent of Hope, the Understanding and Promoting Development in Africa Today, author Tarid Shark Scard, I think Tarid Scard, writes about the Dahomey Warriors. Quote, they were renowned for their zeal and ferocity. The most fearsome were armed with rifles. They were also archers, hunters, 
and spies. They exercise regularly to be physically and mentally fit for combat. They sang, men men stay, men may the men stay, may the rice, corn, grow palm tree, we go to war. Unquote. When not in combat, they guarded the royal palaces in abomination and grew fruits and vegetables. They could also go out and take captives to sell as slaves. Unquote. The reality behind the myth, though it's tempting to think that the homies female warriors may have very much resembled to the slit ferociously, ferociously glamorous fighters depicted in the Black Panther, historian Toller says the reality is quite different. By the 1800s, contemporary accounts of them is that their uniform was so similar to the male counterparts, people fighting against them do not realize they were women until they are closing in hand-to-hand combat, Toller says. Quote, they most likely wore long shorts, a tonic, a tonic, and a cape, and a cap, no cape, a cap, not to, not the sexualized almost bathing suits you would see in modern days depiction of female warriors. Tales of their exploits astonished many Europeans, explorers, and slave traders, and the region's female fighters helped burnish the homies' reputation as a force to be reckoned with. By all accounts, they were fearsome, excellent marksmen, Paulus says. They were skilled in with the hand-to-hand fighting using weapons that were a lot like machetes, and there were absolutely nobody there to tell them that they should not be involved in combat, or that they did not have the upper bow by the strength as you heard in the European and North American history until recently. While most records of the Dahomean warfare involved battles with the neighboring kingdoms for control of coastal cities, a shift began in the 18 in the late 1870s after the kingdom agreed to let France claim France claim the city of Cotonou as protectora protectora protectorate protectorate I believe by 1883 nearby Porto Novo one of the homes rivals was similarly designated But in 1889, a new king came to powder. Power. <laughs> powder? <laughs> king Bihanzin balked at European inter- interference and eventually ordered slave raids and other hostilities against those French protectorate. This led to the Second franco Dohemian War, which lasted from 1892 to 1894, 
with some historic points to as the end of a dominant role for the Dahomey woman warriors. And the legacy of the woman warriors. Historians like Toller are eager to see if the woman king will yield a more contextual depiction of these women who chose a path that rejects limitations or gender restrictions. That's critically important as the image of an African woman on the global stage has a long way to evolve towards becoming empowered versus impoverished. Impoverished. There is no arguing that women made significant contributions to the development of African nations as traders, educators, cultivators, priestesses, healers, and more. And although leaders such as Anna Zinga, Queen of Ndongo, Congo Prophet Donna, Beatrice, and Idia, Idia, Queen Mother of the Benin, joined by modern days heroines like a Nobel Prize, a Nobel Peace Prize winner, Wangari Matai and Ellen Johnson Sirleaf, amplified the power of the prowess of African women. Art curator, curator, and historian Alexander Ives Bortolotz summarized the remaining challenges. Quote, There can be no doubt that important and celebrated women existed in other periods of African history. But prior to the era of contact with Europe, Written records of their names and achievements simply do not exist. Indigenous narratives about them have not survived to the present day or had yet to be recognized and recorded. As the study of African history continues, however, the identity of all the notable African women will sure be revealed." Unquote. Perhaps the rise in its depiction of real-life African women as powerful as self-defining can help achieve that goal. The more people who know about the Dahomey woman warriors, the better Tala says. They prove that women are stronger than society thinks they are, than even themselves may believe, she says. They had the choice to fight. It was an entire appropriate one. And ladies and gentlemen, on that note, your boy Casanova is going to take a quick, quick break. When I come back, I have some more arts to, to talk about because this conversation is going on and on because I have a lot to say about this. <laughs> your boy Casanova come back on this awesome international podcast shortly. Tonight. It's international. It's international. It's international. It's international. 
Alright, ladies and gentlemen, once again, this is Boycasting Novo from Orlando, Florida, on this awesome international podcast, Good Wine and Great Love, Season 5, Episode Number 7. This is the second block of this today's of today's episode. Another article that I found, ladies and gentlemen, that's a short article, but it's very important and I think it's interesting and important. I found this on this website called the bestofafrica.org. And the article was, let me see if they have the, doesn't have the name of who wrote, oh no, yes, right here. It was published on October 21st, 2020 by Veronica Mwanza. The article's title is Exploring the History of Odagoji, the Warrior Women of the Dahomey Kingdom. And that's a picture of the Dahomey Amazon Commons. So the article goes as the Agoji warrior women commonly refer to as the Dahomey Amazons, a name they got from the French while fighting the kingdom of the Dahomey war frontline army troops in the kingdom of Dahomey, an empire in, the, in West Africa that existed from 1625 to 1894, its remains lie in the modern-day Benin. Whether fighting neighboring tribes or fighting against European soldiers, the Agoji were known for their ruthless and fearlessness. In the 1700s, the, the Dahomey Kingdom became a major regional power when it conquered the coastal kingdoms of Alada and Wida. Local coast cities located in the Atlantic Department of the Benin, which were also major slave trade areas. Having taken control of these cities, Dahomey became a major center on the Atlantic slave trade until 1852, when the British imposed a naval blockage to stop the trade. The exact period when the Agoji uh, Behomi Amazon army was formed is unknown, although some historians attribute it to the 18th century. The warriors, the warriors, hold on, the warriors are, however, said to have been originally formed by King Oji Ojibaja, who was the third king of the Homi and ruled from 1645 to 1685. The Agoji warriors are said to be made up of hunters known as the Beto and were later compromised, comprised of slavers, slaves from conquest and neighboring villages. During the king Hubibaja son's rule, who reigned from 1708 to 1732, the Goji warriors were established as bodyguards armed with muskets used as 
militia to conquer neighboring kingdoms. Later in 1800, more soldiers were recruited from foreign captives. Girls as age of eight, as young as eight years old, were also recruited and, recruited and given weapons while other, others became soldiers at their own accord. The women were not allowed to take part of any form of family life and were, not, and were known to marry the king in vow of celibacy. They enjoyed certain privileges such as residing in the king's palace and were allowed to smoke and drink which, which the men were not allowed to do. They were instructed to train intensively often in hand-to-hand combat amongst themselves and learned survival skills and discipline was constantly encouraged. Their discarded and taught their, their disregard, their dis- disregard and tolerance for pain and death was tested as part of the initiation process. Despite the intensive training they underwent as soldiers for many women, this was an opportunity to attain positions of command, influence, and prominence roles. Most of them could even become wealthy as single independent women. By the mid of the 19th century, there were about one to 6,000 warriors, women, who were hunters, riflemen, reapers, archers, and gun- gunners. The kingdom was always at war with its neighbors. The Agoji women, women found in numerous slaves raids as prisoners were required for the slave trade. In the late half of the 19th century, European in- intrusion into the West often gained pace. The king Bihanzin, who was considered the 11th and last king of the Dahomey, began fighting the French forces in the First War, known as the Franco-Dahomey War. Many Agoji women took part of the battle and defended themselves using hand-to-hand combat. Despite the European praises, the Agoji were defeated, with many of them being gunned down. During the Second franco the Homian War, a Goji war being assigned to mainly target French soldiers. The war lasted seven weeks and was fought even more ruthlessly than the first one. The French, however, prevailed after 23 separate battles, but only after bringing in the foreign legion army with the machine guns. The defeat led to the end of the Dahomean Kingdom. The kingdom became a French protectorate after the troops were dispersed. Oral tradition notes that some surviving Goji pledged their service to protect the predecessor of the king Behanzin by falsely appearing as his wives. Some of the women married and had children. The last survivor of the Goji women is said to have been a woman named Nawi. And in 1978, a Venice historian interviewed the woman who claimed to have fought the French. Nawi died in 1979 
aged over 100. By the accounts, the Algoji warriors remain the only documented frontline females soldiers in the modern, modern warfare history. In 2015, YZ, who is known is who is an unknown French artist in Senegal, started a campaign to pay tribute to the female warriors. She paints and prints posters of the warriors she found in local archives of the warrior women. Dagoji woman of the Dahomey War also represented in 1987 film Cobra Verde as well as the Marvel comic Black Panther. The first Dora Milaje of Wakanda portrayed a modern-day representation of the warrior women. And then, ladies and gentlemen, also I gotta finalize with this article that I found in the Washington Post talking about the movie and the article's title uh, was the, uh, the, 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 title, the article's title is What the Woman King Gets Gets Wrong and Right About the Homies Warrior. This article there's a perspective by Anna Lucia Araujo and Suzanne Preston Blier or Blier. This article was published on September 20th, 2022, ladies and gents. And the article goes as The Woman King, directed by Gina Prince by the wood and starring Viola Davis tell on an embellished story about female soldiers from the kingdom of Dahomey, one of the most powerful and militarized African states during the 18th and 19th centuries. The film is set in 1823 when the kingdom of Dahomey eventually defeated the kingdom Oyo. Despite the, this victory, the homie continued waging wars and selling its prisoner, prisoners in the Atlantic slave trade until 1860, when the trade to Brazil and Cuba were finally banned. Few people know that the homie was the first African kingdom to develop an all-female military regiment. Whereas European visitors to the home called the Soldiers Amazon are in allusion to the Greek mythological women warriors, they were locally, locally known as Agoji. The woman king challenges Western de de depictions of the, these West African women as either minor players in Atlantic history or simply savage warriors. Instead, the Hollywood movie portrays the soldiers as a central historical actors who influenced political decisions and who, who not only fought wars side by side with men, but led entire regiments. As many motion pictures do, the film distorted uh, and idealized the history of the homies the homie's women warriors. They were not freedom fighters as portrayed in the movies. Rather, like the other West African women, they were trying to survive in the tumultuous period of the Atlantic slave trade. Nevertheless, the film does help to dismantle, to dismantle some long-standing stereotypes associated with Agoji 
by restoring their agency and challenging the historic European counts of the simply of blood, bloody warriors. The Kingdom of the Home emerged in the 1700s, but its territorial expansion became, began in the 18th century, a period marked by heights of the Atlantic slave trade. As Dahomey and its inland capital, Abomey, had no exit to the sea, the Kindle's army conquered the neighboring kingdoms of Alada in 1724 and the Kingdom of Hueda in 1727. To conquest the Hueda of Hueda gave the home the control of its sea port Oida, the second busiest African slave trade port until the final ban of the Atlantic Strait. Atlantic slave trade in the 1860s. Historians disagree about when the all-female regiment was created. So I already discussed that. This is repeating what I read before. So just say here, some account of the European visitor of the Dahomey during Agadja's reign reported the presence of armed women protecting Abomey's palaces. Some 18th century visitors referred to the royal parades with regiments of up to 500 women, while written sources report the Agoji Fighting War later in the 19th century. At its peak, the all-female regiment had an impressive, impressive number of 8,000 warriors. 8,000. So I'm now I'm just skip here to this article and just go right here. Talk about the move. Uh, the woman king simplified the home and complicated history by transforming into an anti-slavery kingdom. In doing so, it misses the crucial historical reality by focus on the story of the homeless female soldiers of Africa liberated, African liberated. The homeless rulers never opposed the Atlantic slave trade. They were deeply engaged in the waging wars and selling their enemies into slavery. Several women joined the Dahomey army as captives of war and therefore were forced to serve into the all-female regiment. Most Agoji were killed in the battle while resisting the French conquerors at the end of the 19th century. All right, ladies and gentlemen, on that note, your boy Castle is going to take a quick, quick break. When I come back, I come to the third and final block of this awesome international podcast, Good Wine and Great Left. Your boy Castle is come back shortly.
And once again, ladies and gentlemen, this is about Casanova from Orlando, Florida, on this awesome international podcast, Good Wine and Great Laughs, season five, episode number seven. And this is the third and final block on this, on today's episode. So, ladies and gents, let's just talk about now what I think about the whole situation as far as history is concerned, Hollywood. And the haters! <laughs> you gotta talk about these haters, man! Anyway, anywho, so, first of all, we talk about Hollywood, okay? How many movies that saw the historic, basically historic events that Hollywood did not get right? Thousands of movies. And... So from Cleopatra and yada yada and misrepresentation of now the 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 right figures that they are not white but then that be represented by white people and so forth. So I was not. I, first of all, I saw this movie twice. This, I saw on the past Saturday. I went there and then I think just like the Wakanda because now I think the movies like this. We're supposed to represent and embrace the whole culture, culture that was taken for us. So, you know, I bought my nice African outfit. I want to see the movie the same way. I can wait to black now to Panda Wakanda forever. The the sequel, I already have my African outfit. I just got by some nice, nice necklace. I'm gonna be looking fly. But anywho, <laughs> so I was not expecting. Should be a hundred percent everything correct because Hollywood never does that on any movies. So that's number one. So number two, as far as my feelings about the slave trades, the trade that the homie participated for many years, and are probably uh, more, some of my ancestors that were now brought to Brazil may come to that area, or most came from Angola. So I have I don't I don't have a feeling about that because I'm not really like oh that's what that's what happened you know did the homie capture and so sold to the Europeans Europeans were bringing bring the money they bring the goods and that was the trade it is what it is okay so but my main thing about that to me that I took for me. Personally, for that's why the movie to me is so great. It's number one as show the depiction the, the, the of the strength of black women. I was so glad that the cast was all dark-skinned women, you know, and that also that show the sisterhood between them as soldiers. Because even though they came from different backgrounds, on different tribes, even though that's in it, for those that did not see the movie, I'm not going to spoil what happened. But that's a scene of there that now a new trainee that was captured is about to go training, and then one I go the female that's about to start some shenanigans, and somebody else jump on and shut that down. And that's what I'm going to say. But you need to watch the movie to see what it is. Okay. And but later on, it showed the unity of how they care for each other. 
And unfortunately, nowadays, it's living in, in America, I see they still have some bigotry between sisters. You know what I'm saying? So I think that on that movie show how powerful and how much they can achieve if they let the shenanigans go. And I think that principle for the movie apply on out for us as black people for the sisters that you should if you see that movie you should take that as an example okay let's use that example just like black panther is black panther uh real of course not what kind of does not exist you know but is the representation and what's the meaning what that movie represents for black people all of the world is that's the same way the same principle that i took when I watched that movie. So, and I love that. You know, I cried that movie. I was screaming. I said, kill them all. I was, <laughs> I was very emotional. I was very too. And I love to see anything too. Because you know how black people do. When you watch the movie, you talk back. You know, and there was a lot of us in the movie. So you talk back, people laughing, you know, and screaming. And, and because we, I, 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 I was into it, the movie. I was into it. Especially when they start finally killing all the Europeans and fighting and liberating the Samara Goji soldier warriors that were capturing, yada, yada, yada. So, so that's the thing for me. And the second for me, like I said, it's that representation that matters. Is that representation that for many years, black women, especially, and I, 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 I'm just like Dr. Now Viola Davis say, especially dark-skinned black women, that was just invisible. They were not considered that like, beautiful, and none of that. So, is that to me? Is that representation that matters? For all that that I took from that movie. That's so the little girls can see right now, dark-skinned little girls, that say, hey, I'm a Goji too. You know, let them think about they are also Agojis. They have the strength, they have the power, and they have the determination to do and accomplish whatever they set their mind into it. And that, to me, is important. Now, I want, I want you to, now I watch YouTube all the time. I saw a bunch of pages over there and different channels, not pages, different channels on YouTube to talk about. And another thing that pissed me off is some black man now talking, talking trash about the movie. You know what I'm saying? And there's some, that this dude here that is a, is a, is a cons black conservative, you know, and, uh, and there's some white people, white men talking trash about it. I mean, I must not. I already know because the haters, I know that some white, I'm not saying all white people are racist because that's not the, the, the true also. But some of them, of course, the white race is going to show. It's already guaranteed that that was coming. But the main thing is when I saw some videos of black men talking trash about all oh, these guys say, oh, I left out my soul, so distressed. No, this, this fake, I can't, I was, can't, I couldn't wait to get out of the movie theater. And these are my daughter said, so all oh, the comparison to Black Lives Matter. And he said, Breonna Taylor, the end. I saw the movie. I did not pay attention to that. Again, I watched the movie for the third time to see why his talk is true. But even though if they use the reference of black women that got killed by the police on the movie, so what? So what? What's, what's the big deal? I don't understand that. So like I said, it's sad for me to see 
our people, you know, turn on into against us. That's the thing. So forget about the. Okay, we cannot forget about the historic fact. That was it is what it is. That the homie was the slave trading style. But as far as the movie is concerned, I was more and like I say, it's more about the representation and what they did in the movie. Forget it. Now, and we talk about the movie. So to me, that, that to me is a great movie, and I may will see it again. So I want to give, give kudos to everybody in this movie. Now for Naniska. The play by Viola Davis too. Izogi played by Lashana Lynch. The King Gizzo played by John Boyega. And Naui played by Tusu and Bedu. And Amenza played by Sheila Atting. Great actor, actress, and actress. Awesome. You guys did an outstanding job. So I'm going to tell you for you guys that are not feeling the haters, forget the haters. Don't give a damn about the haters. Keep moving. Keep doing what you're doing. Miss Viola Davis is your no, production company. Keep doing it. And, and let's keep doing I have nothing but respect for you guys. And please, please do a sequel. Because you guys need to do a sequel about the movie. You know what I'm saying? You guys did a perfect, perfect job with this movie. And I can't care less. About the haters, because like I say, a hater is gonna be hating. As much as they try to put us down, look at the market. Everything is connected to. They try to exploit our blackness. You're going to see McDonald's. How many commercials and music? In, how many commercials have about now? They use they use hip hop. They use our trend as black people to make money. So they don't like us. But they like you now some of some of our culture to make money. So that's the thing. So you now what you guys did a great job. I love this movie. I hope you guys continue this doing what they do. And I encourage you, forget about the negativity. Just focus on the principle and what the idea they try to show. That's the thing that I took from this movie. And I encourage it to everybody, Lady Daddy. And for those white people, they're not racist. You need to, to see that too. You need to go there. But first of all, this movie was made for us. For, for us. You know, and for, for, for I'm talking about the black men, and more for black women. That was this movie all about. So I completely love this movie, and I may watch it. I'm going to see it again, maybe this weekend. This movie is awesome and get my support on everything that you guys do. Kudos to all you guys. And on that note, ladies and gents, I'd like to thank all of you people to listen to this awesome international podcast. Podcast, Please keep sharing with all your friends and family. Good wine and great laughs. Podcasts come all the way from the bottom, moving straight to the top. Aim it should be the number one spot. Please feel free to visit my YouTube channel, Casting of the Comedian. Leave your comments on each episode. And also, I said again, you can find on my Facebook page, Good Wine and Great Lives by Casting of the Comedian. You can find me on Instagram by Casting of the Comedian. So, once again, this is boy Casanova. Please be blessed. Please be safe. Be kind and be blessed. I'll see you next week. Enjoy your weekend. 
Coming from the 